Eagles Entertainment. The journey of the draft is driven by AAA. AAA, roadside is their strong side. Make AAA a part of your game day today. AAA, go ahead. With the 21st pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. The 2020 NFL Draft, it's in the books. It's over and done with. This has been a crazy weekend. We've got a ton to cover. The Eagles made a bunch of selections today. We're going to break it down now. It's time for Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, as I welcome in Chris McPherson and Ben Fennell. Guys, uh, the draft's over. Congratulations to you guys. I hope it was a great weekend for both of you in terms of what you guys were doing. C-Mac, I know you were hard at work uh, with, the, with the, web, the app and the website for PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Ben, I know you've been doing everything with the broadcast. Uh, I thought it was a really smooth broadcast on our end for PhiladelphiaEagles.com with Eagles Draft Central. Shout out to uh, Melissa Kelly, Ray Doyle, David Sullivan, everybody behind the scenes did an outstanding job. I thought everything was really, really smooth. Uh, let's get into this though. We've got we've got a bunch of guys to cover uh, in a short amount of time. Kayvon uh, Kayvon Wallace is a guy that we've been talking about. We've been pounding the table for Kayvon Wallace. Uh, it seems like since the middle of the fall, Ben, um, and now he's an Eagle. Really, really excited uh, to see how he fits into the secondary. He could do so many different things. Yeah, I feel like he was one of your draft darlings going back to the summer and just being one of those kind of really smart, instinctive players with a lot of experience. Doesn't have a whole lot of you know. Uh, athletic traits or that you know those kind of upside traits because you know he's a little bit shorter he only runs in the you know the four fives and but he just looks like those NFL bodies that are just going to carve out a 12 to 15 year career the Antoine Bethes of the world the Tony Jeffersons of the world the guys that you could play on the back end in the box be a nickel cover guy this guy has tons of experience 44 career games at Clemson, and we know the, the competitive nature of Clemson over the last three and four years. He was also an all-state player out of the state of Virginia on both sides of the ball. So this is a guy with a receiver pedigree that has kind of a my-ball approach. I know the big knock on him was not having that production on the ball coming into this season, but he had two picks, 10 PBUs this year, and really put a lot of that to bed. Really interesting, experienced player for him. Yeah, you know what fans are going to absolutely love about him, Fran Benny, is the fact that uh, at Clemson, he was roommates with Brian Dawkins' son. Because everyone automatically hears, you know, safety out of Clemson. They, they think of Brian Dawkins, of course. And lo and behold, Kayvon Wallace actually was roommates and is good friends with the Dawkins family. And another Eagles tie, Wallace, who was so, so impressive in his press conference, with the media, explained that he did an internship with the league office in New York City and worked closely at times with Troy Vincent and had a lot of talks about the game and what it takes to succeed. And another interesting note about Wallace is the fact that he's the first member of his family just to graduate high school. But his mother pushed him and said that, I'm not kidding, the first member of his family to graduate high school, but his, his mother pushed him and said, that's not good enough wants you to keep going and he earned his degree at Clemson and he was a part of three teams that went to the national title two-time national champion just the intangibles on top of what he produced on the field just outstanding young man 
Wow. I did not know that. That's, that's pretty remarkable. And when you just kind of put a ribbon on them, you know, everything that Ben said, um, look, one of the things that stood out to me, uh, and I, I wrote it down numerous times while I was watching, it was smooth, natural, instinctive, just a really instinctive, smart football player, really tough, competitive, versatile, all those things you want to check the boxes with, with Kayvon Wallace, you certainly have. Let's get to the next one here. Jack Driscoll, the uh, the starting right tackle for the last two years for the Auburn Tigers in the SEC, transferred from UMass, uh, went immediately up to the SEC and started from day one. This is a guy, to me, uh, Jack Driscoll, really, really impressive. Ben, uh, give me your thoughts on Jack Driscoll. Yeah, he stood out. I think we were trying to watch uh, Prince Tegawinago uh, earlier this season, and I, my eyes kept drifting over to the right tackle spot, not knowing who this kid was, but he just looked really solid, really smooth getting out of his stance, had no problem washing some of these uh, SEC edge rushers past the quarterback, had pretty good strength at the point of attack and washing down defensive ends and uh, defensive tackles and double teams. I don't know if it was just the Auburn right tackle, the look, you know, the area, but he just kind of had that Braden Smith feel that ended up being a nice second round pick to the Indianapolis Colts two years ago and has carved out a starting uh, spot there with the Colts. Just a really interesting player that kind of caught our eye earlier this year watching another player. But like you had mentioned, UMass transfer, he was a grad transfer, only one year in the SEC, and he looked apart for him. Yeah, to me, I mean, watching him, he was a guy that, again, when he was at, uh, at UMass, played left tackle, played left guard. He goes to Auburn, plays right tackle. So you have that versatility. I think he might be a little bit of a better fit on the inside when it's all said and done. Athletic kid, really smart. He's got some physical limitations in terms of his length, right? But he understands how to mitigate that. He understands how to overcome that. So when I look at Jack Driscoll, just the way that he plays, really smart player, natural bender, knows how to use his hands. Uh, I really like the pick. C-Mac, what were your takeaways from Jack Driscoll? Just a smart addition, you know, looking at the Eagles offensive line, Jason Peters, you know, is a free agent at this point. Big V is signed on with the Detroit Lions. You really need to figure out what the depth is going to be. You do have Andre Dillard last year's first round pick ready to take over a left tackle. But what's the depth going to be like uh, along the offensive line and to get someone who has that tackle guard experience so, so instrumental. And, you know, another, you know, you go back to, to character and intangibles and things that are going to help, you know, the culture of the locker room. Someone who you guys mentioned was a grad transfer, earned his MBA at Auburn. So uh, really, really had a, had a dream, a desire to get to a Power Five conference uh, to play football and worked his way from UMass to Auburn. So kudos to him and a, a smart pick here for the Eagles uh, as a mid-round selection, bolstering the offensive line. Yeah, again, just a really, really smart, versatile player. And early on as a backup, that versatility is going to help him be active on game days. This is a guy that uh, can fill in at a number of different roles, uh, has shown that he can do that at the college level. I really like the pick. Really, really smart player that I really enjoyed watching on film. Uh, Next one here, we want to hit on the speedster, the wide receiver from Boise State, John Hightower, ran in the low 4-4s. C-Mac, you and I watched him. Uh, at, up close at the Shrine Bowl. Thought he had a, got better every day down there. Made some really nice catches late in the week. Uh, but this is a guy that can work downfield. Ben, I know you've studied him on film. We've been talking about him back to the fall. I know our friend Dane Brugler was very, very high on John Hightower back during the college season. Ben, what are your thoughts on, on John Hightower? Yeah, I thought this is the, uh, the influx of speed and playmaking and explosive nature that this offense needed. And they 
they added to this roster with authority, starting with John Hightower. A little bit of an undersized frame. He's 6'1", 183, but he shows up with that 4'4 speed. And I like just the usage in Boise State, whether it's the double moves, a lot of stuff in the backfield, jet sweeps, end arounds, getting the balls in his hands, not just being a vertical stretcher, but also a horizontal stretcher and a lot of those gadget yak opportunities. He doesn't have a huge frame. He's not going to break a lot of tackles with his size, but he's shifty in the open field, and he takes away angles first and foremost in the open field. 12 plays of 40-plus yards the last two seasons. And the interesting thing is, had to play with a true freshman quarterback this year and then a veteran four-year quarterback the year before with Brett Rippon. So he's seen a little bit of some youth at the quarterback position and some veteran presence as well. He's produced in both systems. So a guy that just seemed to take that same kind of mold that Darius Slayton had last year coming out of Ole Miss, I believe, and was a day three pick to the Giants. He did one thing really well, and that was run. And that typically always has a place on Sundays. See, Mac, I, I know dude, we, we got to see him, but we were, we were impressed with the speed up close. Uh, what were your takeaways from Hightower? <laughs> so it's so funny. A little embarrassing story on my end real quick. So Ben mentions Darius Slayton. For some reason, for the life of me, I thought Slayton went to Boise State. And at the Shrine Bowl, I went to John Hightower, and I was like, oh, what was it like seeing Slayton have his success, the success he had as a rookie? And Hightower was kind of like, yeah, I guess it was good. And then I, it like dawned on me. I'm like, I totally messed this question up. So it's so funny that you brought up Slayton. But the, the speed, you know, when you're looking at day three guys, you want – extreme traits if possible that they'll give them a chance to succeed and that's exactly what john hightower has with that top end speed yeah to me watching him kind of shades of like a will fuller coming out of notre dame right i think he's built very similarly obviously has that long speed um you know some of the same issues that will fuller has uh in terms of you know being able to finish at the catch point but He's got the, that game-breaking ability as well. So you're going you're to have those home runs, and you're going to have some drops as well. But Hightower certainly made some outstanding catches vertically down the field. Uh, this is a guy certainly that can fly. Next one here, Sean Bradley, the linebacker from Temple. Look, guys, I'm going to take a subtle flex. I can't, I can't take credit <laughs> for this stat, okay? I can't take credit for this. But Ralph oh, Russo for the AP. Ralph Russo for the AP. The number of players drafted by the NFL from 2016 to 2020, so over the, over the last – uh, four years, okay? Florida State, 15. Temple, 15. Same exact number of guys from Florida State have been drafted uh, as have been from Temple. Nebraska, another college football blue blood, uh, just eight in that time, so so half. Uh, you know, so from the big-time program of the Temple Owls up on North Broad Street, uh, the Eagles pluck a linebacker in Sean Bradley, a guy who ran really, really well out in Indianapolis. You can see that speed. This is a guy who was a high school running back and defensive back. Uh, you know, so he's got that athletic background. He can make plays from sideline to sideline, but also a tough kid in the middle as well will come down and will pop you. Uh, ben, give us your thoughts here uh, on Sean Bradley. Really interesting linebacker with good speed, good playmaking ability. When he gets to the ball carry, he gets there with authority and is not shy about knocking that ball loose and getting the ball back for his offense. Really interesting player here. And he was a local kid just across the bridge from New Jersey in Rancocas Valley High School. That may sound familiar because they have three former first-round picks in the NFL, Franco Harris, Irving Fryer and Alonzo Spellman. Uh, kind of interesting and just a random public school in South New Jersey. But Sean Bradley is a three-year starter next to Chappelle Russell, who also got drafted from that Temple defense today. So uh, just a really good physical linebacker that also has the 
the athletic profile as well. I think when I watched him on tape, I didn't see that four one five speed. I saw more of a physical profile, but the fact that he could show up to Indianapolis and put up a low four five time, that tells me he could probably contribute on special teams and maybe has a little bit more of a sub package profile than I thought. The interesting thing with him also at Temple, he earned one of those single digit Jersey numbers as one of the toughest players on the team. So that's also something to keep in mind. And when you're going back to these character, high character kids, these intangibles, they're bringing to the team. Fran, the stat that I thought you were going to bring up, and I apologize if I get this wrong, but Temple has had a player drafted in each of the last five drafts, and that's the longest streak by any non-Power power Five school. Oh, I mean, it just keeps on. The legend continues for the, uh, for the Temple Owls, <laughs> for sure. But uh, to me, like, you know, and I was there, when, uh, guys, when they instituted that, that Temple Tough tradition of the single-digit numbers, and those, that, that's not – taken lightly that's not something that they just give out it's like oh we got to get someone to fill in number eight this year no like every year the numbers get stripped out when, when someone grad so when sean bradley he graduates that number's dangling now for those guys to, and if no, if no one gets it no one gets it they don't just give them out so um you know for sean bradley to have that over the last couple of years i think that speaks to his his off-field demeanor uh i had one person tell me that's been around the program over the last four years um that he's been one of the most well-respected players uh super hard worker and this is the quote probably the most respected leader and player in that program uh i talked about this on the on the show afterwards on eagles draft central um you know the the goal line stop he made against Maryland this year against Anthony McFarland on the goal line. Huge, huge play. I forgot two years ago against Maryland when they had the big upset against the Terps, he had the pick six that kind of changed that game as well. So this is a guy who's come up in the clutch against some of the best opponents on the schedule. Uh, Sean Bradley, very, very intriguing player. Another linebacker with speed. Speaking of speed, the next selection here, Quez Watkins, the wide receiver from Southern Miss. Ben, uh, give us the scouting report here on Quez Watkins. Well, also, I just have to say, it just feels right having a Sean Bradley back around Broad Street in Philadelphia. You know, it just, it just fits the sports scene out there. So great to get another Sean Bradley back around the stadiums. But Quez Watkins, another guy that's kind of in the John Hightower mold. But if it's that believable, he's faster. Same kind of frame, six foot, 185. They're going to look like clones walking down the hallway in the NovaCare facility. But he showed up to Indianapolis running 4-3-5, one of the faster all-round performances of the week out there. And when you put on his table, there's one thing and one thing well, and that's run. He's not as dynamic as John Hightower with the gadget stuff, the jet sweeps, the end arounds, the yards after catch. What Quez Watkins does is run and run deep. He had nine catches of 40 yards this year alone. Wow. So he had 1,000 yards, six touchdowns, 64 catches this year, averaging 18 yards a catch. The issue is he does have a couple boneheaded drops down the field, as uh, John Hightower does as well. But John Hightower's drops are a lot more underneath on the quick game stuff, the shallows, the slants, when he gets on them fast. Quez occasionally can get bumped off his route or kind of get smothered by some bigger cornerbacks, which happens with these kind of 180-pound receivers that can run really fast. So a lot of the names I've written down, you already mentioned Will Fuller for John Hightower, Fran, but Travis Benjamin, Kenny Stills, Darius Slayton, that type of mold, that instant speed that you want from your fourth or fifth receiver on the roster, that's what Quez Watkins does for you waking up every morning. So obviously – Speed and athleticism was a major, major 
tenant of this draft class for the Eagles. And this was something that Next Gen Stats put out on Twitter that the Eagles posted the most athletic day three score of every team in terms of the players drafted, just showing how important it was. And this is something, again, Howard Roseman said, we got to get younger. We got to get volume in this draft. You look at all the players selected, and we've got to get faster. And he stayed true to those words by getting John Hightower and then Quez Watkins here. And also, one, the one aspect of their games, and you had Rager, Jalen Rager into this, the returnability. It's now all of a sudden, whichever of these guys maybe isn't you know, in your rotation as a receiver can still be active on game day and be a dynamic game breaker in the return game because these guys have that returnability as well. And Fran, if I could just read off some of these notes here with Quest Watkins, because I described kind of a frail frame guy with some drop issues, but I wrote a guy that's extremely competitive, will fight for the ball, he'll come back to the ball, he's not afraid to try to high point the ball in any situation, he's fearless over the middle, didn't run a lot of routes over the middle, but when he did have some over routes or some digs, he had no problem kind of working in traffic there, some sudden routes on slants and snapping his head at the break points. The one issue I have with his usage, he was almost exclusively a right side of the formation receiver. So he's going to have to kind of learn the nuance of playing from both sides of the offense and extremely explosive after the catch. They just didn't give him a whole lot of yards after catch opportunities, but really intriguing explosive athlete. We're talking about. It's just real quick to add to what Ben was saying there about his personality. He definitely came across in his video conference call as an alpha dog mentality that he's not coming in to back down. He's not coming in to be shy because he's one of a number of receivers in this draft class going to the Eagles or additions at the wide receiver position. He's coming to win a job. And And that's what it looks like on tape, C-Mac. He's small, but he's feisty and competitive, and he might mix it up a little bit this summer. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be a lot of fun to watch, not only making the big plays over the top, the return ability, maybe some punt gunning, and just having that feisty competitiveness. I think we're going to hear his name called a couple times this summer. You guys both brought up special teams. That'll be big in in camp and then also, obviously, uh, during the season in terms of who is active. But making the 53 special teams will be a big, big part of it. Uh, guys, we're talking speed receivers. The Eagles acquire uh, a veteran uh, here today. Marquise Goodwin, they acquired in a trade with the San Francisco 49ers in a swap of sixth-round selections. Uh, C-Mac, uh, what were the, what's the stuff you've gotten from the, the Marquise Goodwin trade? Obviously, the Eagles uh, get a guy who's done it in the league, but another person who's got wheels. Got wheels. That's, that's the biggest thing. You go, the common theme here is just adding speed. And this is someone who's done it, you know, at the NFL level, was drafted highly by the Buffalo Bills, spent the last three seasons with the 49ers, has had success in his career. Injuries limited him in 2019. The Niners were, were looking to move on, and the Eagles more than welcome to bring him on because I think there were some questions as in terms of that they didn't address the receiver position in free agency. And Howard Roseman kept saying, it's not just free agency, okay? This is not the only time to acquire players, to acquire veteran players. There are other avenues to do so, and he showed that here that he's going to bring in a veteran because you're bringing in a lot of young guys. It's going to be hard to make the transition from the college game to the NFL, and even though you have a couple, you know, three receivers drafted, two of these guys are day three guys, okay? So you don't know how they're going to pan out. So at the very least, you give yourself – a little bit of an insurance policy, a little bit of a cushion by bringing a veteran who has had success at this level. And this is a guy who certainly can fly, but I think it was a, was a four two seven, I believe at the scouting combine 
was trained to be an Olympic long jumper, had previously competed in the Olympics in London, was looking to win a spot for the Tokyo Games. But, of course, the Tokyo Games were moved to next year due to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, so just outstanding athleticism. But you have a veteran here. That's I think a lot of people were clamoring for a veteran in this receiver group to add to the mix with speed. Well, the Eagles have done it here in a trade with the Niners. Yeah, he was a guy I remember watching him at the Senior Bowl the year he came out of Texas, and he was a big-time athlete. He had a great week down there. Uh, you could see that speed, and he's done it. Again, he's a guy who has done it in the NFL level. So even if the injuries uh, have mounted a little bit too much, you've still acquired some of these younger guys. And again, to go the other way, if the younger guys don't work out this summer, you've also acquired a veteran who's done it. So it's going to be just great competition here uh, this summer with the, uh, with the Eagles receiving core. I can't wait to watch this group take the field during training camp. Guys, let's get to these last two picks here. We've already talked about this player's teammate, uh, but we met, and we briefly mentioned him, but the left tackle for the Auburn Tigers, Prince Tegawanogo. Uh, you know, if you're going to compare Driscoll with Tegawanogo, I feel like he's got he's a little bit more dancing bear, right? And it's, I actually I made the uh, made the joke that you know the the Eagles. This is not the first time that they've selected royalty from the Auburn Tigers program uh, along the offensive line. They took Ken Dunlap uh, a few years ago. Now instead of getting the king, they get the prince with Prince Tegawanogo. Uh, you know he's got light feet. And I like his anchor. He's got the ability to, st- to stand his ground against a bull rush. Uh, there are some technique things he's got to work through. Uh, you might say he's a better guard than a tackle, but with his foot quickness, I think he's got the ability to stick on the outside. Uh, you know, he's a very, very intriguing player. Ben, what, what have you seen from Prince Tegawanogo? Yeah, really interesting player. He showed up on Bruce Feldman's freak list, uh, which we always love to see from our prospects. Just putting in the work in the weight room, impressive bench press, squat running a sub 540 and jumping 32 inches. I'm not sure he was able to do that at the combine this year. But he's a guy that came into school at 260 and then was consistently playing at 310, 315. So he's a guy that has gone through the body transformation and has really put in the work off the field. Strong hands, large frame, athletic, like you had just said, Fran, so light on his feet. And I think he's a little bit more strong than powerful, and it's one of those discussions we always talk about, the nuance of traits and uh, what it means to be strong or powerful. But I don't really think he's a mauler, but he uses his length, his feet, and size in combination all together to get himself in the right position. And I feel like his body, his head, his shoulders get in the right position. Now let's see if we can get him more powerful and move people where we need to move them. So he also has some experience at right tackle. He played 74 snaps there in 2017. Uh, He can mix up his punch and play with independent hand usage, which I know Jeff Stoutland's really going to love. But he's a guy that played a lot of ball in the SEC, kind of a raw prospect coming in, but has put a lot of good stuff on tape. And I think he's still ascending as a prospect, friend. Remember, he was in first-round mock drafts back in the summer. You know, even in the early fall, this was a guy that was very highly thought of. Uh, so to, for the Eagles to get him in the sixth round uh, certainly has the ability. C-Mac, what were some of the takeaways you got from him uh, on his press conference with the media? Look, the, the thing is that he was born in Nigeria, one of, one of nine children, seven sisters, another brother, earned a basketball scholarship, first played soccer and then was playing basketball. and earned a scholarship to a prep academy in Alabama. That's how he ended up in the United States, lived with the family, with the the basketball coach, and just trying to, you know, learn American ways. He went to the football practice, and the coaches saw his athleticism and said, we got to get this guy on the field. So the thing was, he came over as a junior, a high school junior, but he was so, so smart in the classroom that 
they basically moved him a grade ahead. So he ended up only playing one year of football, and he did it as a defensive end, but was good enough to get multiple scholarship offers, including to Auburn. The only problem was he fractured his leg playing basketball, the sport he went over there for, fractured his leg, and that, that partially led to him redshirting his freshman year. But then maybe there was a blessing in disguise because he did scout team work on the D-line, but then his redshirt freshman year, he was moved over to the offense, offensive line, and the rest is history. But his family is still in Nigeria, just an amazing, amazing story. We, we went through this with Jordan Mailata a couple of years ago with the amazing track coming over from Australia. There's another one here, another international pipeline here going from Nigeria to Philadelphia. And C-Mac, the really interesting thing with some of these international players, there always seems to be a trend. And Fran, we've talked about it before, especially with offensive linemen. They all have backgrounds playing soccer. Their feet are just different than everybody else, you know, that it's kind of built in the American pedigree that, you know, soccer isn't as dominant. To see these guys that are 6'6", 300 pounds, that have played soccer before, you see it in their feet, in their movement patterns. And we always say he has light feet and fluid and can fly out of his stance. There's a reason. A lot of times that soccer and just having that kind of pedigree of using your feet early on in your life really kind of uh, aids and assists him in his football play. Well, guys, let's wrap this one up. Uh, we'll go to the front seven now where the Eagles selected Casey Toole in the seventh round, the edge rusher uh, from the Stanford Cardinal, was their outside linebacker, typically to the strong side in that 3-4 scheme. Uh, this is a guy that I, I studied. And I, I like the play personality for Casey Toole because this guy did a little bit of everything. He'll set an edge, he'll drop back and play in coverage, and he'll also get after the quarterback as well. Uh, I believe 19 sacks in his career. I have to go back and look at the exact number. Only a handful of sacks. He was only a one-year starter. But this is a guy, to me, who also really stood out with his usage in stunts and twists. He goes to the combine, has a really strong workout, and to me that's why he ultimately ended up being a seventh-round pick because you know if you have those guys who are 250 pounds and test like he does, you don't want him to hit undrafted free agency. You want to make sure you can get him into the building. Uh, Casey Tool is a guy that's got athletic upside. I talked with him for a long time at the, at the podium at, the press, at his press conference uh, out in Indianapolis because – he, he was just a great kid, a great guy to talk to. I got a lot of information out of him. Uh, I've got scouting reports on some of the best offensive linemen in the Pac-12, some guys going back to Stanford. He gave me some great information. It was great talking to Casey Toole. Uh, excited to talk to him again uh, once the Novacare Complex opens back up and the players are returning for camp. But, uh, you know, Casey Toole, really, really impressive player. Uh, if he's able to come in and compete for a job and win, I'm excited to see how the coaches decide to use him because, again, I think he's got that potential to be really effective on different stunts and twists up front along the defensive line. Yeah, well, Fran, I feel like he could do a lot of different things for the defense, and it reminds me of a couple of players that have come out the past couple of years, whether it was Ty Summers out of TCU last year going to the Packers, also a seventh-round pick, where you don't really know what they are. Are they an edge rusher? Are they an off-the-ball backer? Are you a special teams guy? Are you a designated rush end? I think they can do a lot of different things. Um, trying blanking on the player. I think his name is Leon Jacobs, also for Wisconsin two or three years ago. Similar type of outside linebacker, defensive end pedigree that I think figuring out their positional fit, I think, is just getting started in that conversation. I think he go go a lot of different directions in the NFL. Yeah, big thing with him, a, a finalist for the, uh, the academic Heisman, the William Campbell Trophy. Uh, eight sacks in his one year in 2019 was one year as, as the uh, full-time starter. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing is you bring in someone with those intangibles to push the other guys on the roster. There's a lot of, there's a lot of potential 
Okay, that's the big thing. There's a lot of potential, a lot of youth in that defensive line, but the Eagles need someone to emerge. I, I've said this before with Vinnie Curry and his about 400 or so snaps that need to be replaced this season. They need someone to take a step up. You know, Brandon Graham is, is getting another year older. Derek Barnett's in, in a crucial year for him where they got to figure out his long-term plan. So they need some of these young guys to step up. So it's, it's great getting another, some more competition in here. And I'm, I'm not shocked at all that they address the position here. Yeah, and, you know, as we talked about, a lot of speed, high-character guys with upside. Really, really fun class uh, here that the Eagles have put together in the 2020 NFL Draft. We're going to break it down as a whole later on this week. Guys, really appreciate the time. It's been a crazy couple of days. We've gone through the grind that was the first round, then day two, now day three. And you guys always, you know, stuck or stuck around. We made sure we knocked out this podcast so we can get it out to all the listeners. Uh, we'll be talking to you guys again soon. Everybody at home, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you again in a couple weeks here or a couple days here on the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA.